0: Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly.
1: squad and welcome to ranks fc your favorite football podcast my name is jack collins and joining me this week as ever is the rank squad led by the rank god mr sam Tai. hello mate hello mate how are you i'm good i'm good how are you i'm not too bad thank you and of course a man right in his prime is the transfer window starts to rumble into life is our transfer titan mr dean jones hello mate how are you yeah i'm good how are you how are you yeah
2: it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Transfer window starting to get going a little bit now. It's been a bit of slow build up, but we're going to see it really take off. I think last two weeks, people start to get some deals
1: done. Absolutely. I mean, should we start there? Let's start hmm. with things we love as ever. And I'll give it to you first, Dean. Make it change it up, mix it up.
2: Yeah, we can do. Um, I'm just going to run these off the top of my head. Things that are rumbling right now. I mean, Delhi Alley is a big one that, that people are writing about all over the place. Um, Spoke to somebody yesterday that had been with Delhi and like asked him, "What's going on, basically? Are you are you happy? Are you fed up? Like are you leaving?" And basically, he was just like, "I just want to play football. <laughs> I I don't especially want to leave Tottenham. He he really likes being at Tottenham, um, but." He just wants to be playing for the rest of the season. He doesn't. He said he didn't know whether the PSG move was going to happen. Um, I spoke to somebody else who, who just thinks that this is Daniel Levy, like being Daniel Levy. Um, and at Tottenham, they've always suspected that this would go into the final week of the transfer window. Um, they'll probably grant Deli Elliott a, a six-month loan deal with no, no option to buy um, and then quickly fix their own deal to get somebody through the door. I mean, they'll probably do that on deadline day as well, knowing, knowing Daniel Levy. Um, and then basically decide over the next six months what happens with Delhi and whether they they replace him or not. I mean, they're looking at Subitza from RB Leipzig. They're very, very keen on doing that deal in the summer, so we'll see whether that comes about. And one bit to look out for as well with Tottenham, actually, is, is Danny Ings. He's, he's not signed his new contract at Southampton. Um, they thought that was going to be done by the end of the year. And I was told as well, that Danny Ings was probably going to sign that. Tottenham were interested in him in the summer, didn't yeah. sign him because uh, Ings you know, was very happy at Southampton and had the Euros coming up and wanted to make sure he was playing every week and so on and so forth. Um, but Spurs now looking at it and thinking, look, if, if he doesn't sign that contract and he, at the end of the season he's looking for a move, we might go for that one.
1: Where does that so, leave Carlos Vinicius though?
2: Carlos Vinicius only on a season-long loan, isn't he? With an option, no? Yeah. Yeah, but but it's a big option. I mean, that's a big option. And for someone who's barely played, apart from that crap FA Cup game, um, I don't think... I think that Vinicius was just an option they could turn to. I don't don't think Mourinho is a massive fan of his, to be honest with you. Um, So, yeah, look out for that one, potentially along the line. The other one that I think is is going to be interesting is uh, obviously Alaba being linked with Real Madrid. And we'll see if that one gets over the line. Or not, I think it probably will do, to be honest. I think he will go to Real Madrid. Um, what happens with Bayern at centre-back um, for next season? And Upamecano being strongly linked with pretty much every big club, but Bayern Munich uh, going in for Upamecano, I'm told. And let's face it, that move makes a lot of sense uh, for the player to still be in Bundesliga, to know that he can um, step it up a gear, challenge for every trophy there is to win. Um, and for bayern have such a trusted figure and a, it just makes so much sense doesn't it for Upamakana to go there rather than i don't know chelsea or liverpool or psg um so i think that's probably one to look for as well once that once that alaba deal is, is cleared up and he doesn't stay at bayern which he's not going to um let's see who they replace him with
1: well wow. that's a, i mean it's a big it's a big move this and and sam you were talking about alibi yesterday it was it's it's a big signing for whoever gets him and but it does leave questions if it does happen to to end up at Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, some something's basically got to give because you don't just you can't just sign Alaba and put him into this system wherever he plays at, at Real Madrid. If he were to play, you know, centre mid, left back, centre back, whatever it is, there is no way that you could just put him in and not upset at least one like major player. So it's Fernand Mendy, you know. Has he has he been put on the hot seat at left back or is does this mean that Sergio Ramos is genuinely off and this latest huff and puff over contract negotiations is in fact his exit, which, you know, has been kind of a long time coming because it feels like every two years we get this, but he always signs a new deal. So I think we're probably all guilty of just assuming it's another sideshow. However, the signing of Alaba for literally Ramos's position left centre back may suggest otherwise, or maybe they want Alaba in midfield. And maybe that means that you know Casemiro gets a rotator, or maybe they're refreshing midfield. Maybe they don't want Camavinga. I don't know. There's loads of questions here. Some someone has has to budge though, because like Varane and Varan must be looking at that, and going, well, if Ramos is staying and Alaba's signing, I'm out. Edimilson must be like, oh, I'm clearly not needed. And there's there's a lot of talent here, and no matter what you do, no matter how you deploy Alaba, something has to give. And I'm very intrigued as to what that thing is.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I, I'll be amazed if Ramos does actually leave. I just think when you see what this Real Madrid team is like without him, you're you're crazy not to just give him basically what he wants. One year deal, you know. I know he's getting older and older, but just you just need him around. You need people like that, especially when you're transitioning towards an era when you know you're going to be losing the core of your team, you know, over the next two, three years, you're going to, Benzema's going to drop off, you know, Modric is going to sign a contract extension for one more year, but then that'll probably be it. Kroos will eventually start to wind down. You need to keep a couple of these figures around the team, just so that the new guys coming in understand what Real Madrid is all about and what it actually takes to be a winner. And, you know, Zidane's contract, you know, he's got one more full season until his contract's up. So that situation going to come into view as well. And I think that Madrid, you know, they can't afford to be so unsettled at a time when Barcelona are about to get a new president and potentially go on a big spend and start all over again and go big Real Madrid have a real chance here to get a head start on them for next season I think
0: one thing actually to take into account here is is Alaba's leadership qualities and that mentality that he brings is something that we've seen at Bayern over the last year heard at Bayern thanks to the empty stadiums and heard about directly from Chris Richards ranked squad legend so if we're talking about Real Madrid uh, and we always talk about how they're overly reliant on Sergio Ramos and they can't really get results without him and emotionally they need him. A good way to win yourself off that is to find someone else that can kind of split that. And Alaba is clearly that player. So from a, a, like a leadership perspective, from like a mental quality perspective, Alaba makes all the sense in the world if you're trying to diversify or, or spread the responsibility of leadership in this team, because we know it's way too centered on Ramos right now. But that said, would adding another leader to that back line, of course, upset the apple cart a little bit? I mean, you just don't know, do you? I'm fascinated by this.
1: I think it would be... A, I'm going to go big here and say it will be a positive move for anybody that signs David <laughs> Alaba. This is really good. Um, and I know that doesn't sound too complicated, but I, I, I'm willing to stand by it. And with that, Sam, should we move on to your thing we love? Yeah, I'm going to talk about a, um, a slightly
0: less famous left centre-back than David Alaba uh, and it's Alessandro Bastoni and I'll keep this much shorter and sweeter I just wanted to say I think he's absolutely fantastic and I think he might be Italy's best centre-back all told at this point Um, he's only 21 years of age but with Bonucci and Chiellini kind of winding down a little bit and maybe someone like Acerbi kind of stepping off a little bit from last season's level we really are at the point now where we're looking at Bastoni left side of this back three at Inter He's, he's absolutely sensational. I don't think he has a weakness because he loves a duel. He loves climbing and, and battling with those players, with those big players in the air. He's such a good passer. He's such real poise on the ball, can spread all the way out to that left-hand touchline and play in tight spaces. The ball he released for Barella Uh, at the weekend to set up uh, the goal against Juve was absolutely sensational. And he did another one of those as well for Lukaku a couple of weeks beforehand. It was a bit more lofted, but he has that long passing range in addition to that sort of classic Italian defensive grit. And I actually, you know what? I wasn't really that aware of Bostoni a couple of years ago. And I thought that he'd come from their youth, youth academy. But it turns out that really wasn't the case. He came from Atalanta as basically every good player does. And they signed him for 33 million euros off two senior performances. They saw him play twice at senior 11 went, oh yeah. And staked big money on it. And I can see why they did it two years later. Classic. Well done, Sam. But honestly, I, I mean, that's such a ballsy move to do that. And at least very early on, Bastoni has proved m- very much worth that outlay. And he's not just, he's not just good.
1: He's genuinely great yeah I mean, look, I think you can especially say something like that. it's it those big outlays are, are risky. You look at like a Mattia caldara, right? who you know a lot of people were convinced was was the next big thing in terms of Italian defenders. and when he did make that move, you know to to Milan, everyone was like, right, yeah, that makes a makes a whole lot of sense. And yet. It just didn't really work at all. Really, did it? it? Didn't it? Just didn't come off. And and now he's back at Atlanta, and everybody's a bit like, oh, okay, that one was a, a strange one. And look, he's starting to recover that reputation, I think, a little bit. But it hasn't changed the fact that Milan spent 35 million euros, I think, on him at the time. And I don't necessarily think that he, he made a senior appearance, you know, for them in the league. Because he, he just did, did
0: his knee over and over again. Did his didn't knee he?
1: over and over again? But you know, and by the time it went, it went wrong. Is everything had gone south? And you look at that, and then you think you similar deal kind of for for Inter for Bastoni, and you go, "Whoa, this could go wrong," and it just hasn't has it it's a it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal amount of money to spend on someone after two appearances
0: it really is and also it just feels like a little bit of a trend in italy because i remember uh, alessio romagnoli going to milan for like 30 odd million after about half a season's worth of work at roma i don't know if it's just italian directors of football just back themselves to the hills on being able to identify a proper class center back from an early age you go yeah spend whatever it's fine he's gonna be great like it definitely it just doesn't happen in any other league. But in Italy, they're like, yeah, spend thirty million on that kid, specifically on centre backs. It doesn't make sense to me, but they do do it.
1: And uh and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, it has worked. So you know, give the all the credit to Inter. Um something I love to finish little salesman off is Athletic Club winning the Super Copper. Now, not for any sort Woo! of genuine bad feeling towards barcelona although at the moment their mentality is a shambles um, but athletic first trophy since valverde won the super copper against barcelona in 2015 uh, and those years between for athletic club have not necessarily been particularly pretty um there was there was lots of things that, that didn't really work and you know i went to the San Mames a couple of years ago and it was fully white handkerchief season and it was it was get these people out of the club and no. I think the rebuild that happened, you know, one under Gaiske Garitano, because he is a big part of this. And yes, results last year weren't particularly great, um, but ultimately he's, he, he's helped put this squad together, helped build the foundations for this. And Marcelino has come in and, and taken them to a title within you know, about a month, which is which is incredibly impressive for, for Marcelino. But also, you know, it's good that the club, I thought, included Garitano in the winner's graphic, which is a nice touch. Um, obviously he was part of the squad that got to this point and, and to include them both, I thought was, so I said, athletic do things like that. Well, obviously they're very keen on their own, but they're, you know, they, they look after their own a little bit as well. And I think it was with a heavy heart that they sacked Garitano, even, even if it was potentially, you know, something that they felt was necessary. It wasn't something that they took any real joy in doing. Um, and, and look, the goal to win it in Williams. Bilbao's favourite son, or his favourite adopted son, and it's just unbelievable. A goal worthy of winning any cup final. If you haven't seen Inaki Williams' winner against Barcelona, it is well worth your time going and digging out. An absolute stunner. Gets the ball just inside the box, takes a couple of touches, and bends one sort of back to goal with, into the into the top corner, into the absolute postage stamp of Tostegan's goal. No keeper in the world is getting anywhere near this. And it turned out to be the winner, and but Iñaki is, is one of those strange players where everyone seems to have been interested at some point. Obviously, Liverpool were interested a while back and he signed a ridiculous contract. I think it was a five-year. And then United the next year were interested. And he was like, nope, and signed a nine-year contract, increasing his, <laughs> increasing his release calls to 135 million. So I don't think Iñaki is leaving bilbao anytime soon I, I don't think that anyone will pay 135 million for him but he is a very 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 special player and it's a nice to see kind of those heroes being given their they're due in their hometown and and obviously it's not obviously going to be the celebrations but i think you could see the celebrations in 2015 the entirety of of bilbao was decked out red and white and it's a shame that we can't see similar scenes right now for obvious reasons but i'd imagine that you know, there's a Copa del Rey final to come for Athletic Club. And if uh, if things go to plan and, and, and life is like, and that'll be a good game against local rivals. Real had the first Basque derby since 1910, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it's just really exciting. Good times for Athletic. They've got a good manager in now. There's a good squad there. And it's about time they kicked on. So I, w- I was happy for them winning the Supercopa. And that's my spiel ended. And probably time to roll things onto our main ranking this week. We're going to be looking as we're about halfway through the season at the title races in all five of the major European leagues and giving them a quick ranking. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our big ranking. Sam, what have you got for us this week? you excited to be back in the hot seat? Yeah, a bit nervous,
0: actually. Um, Lots to live up to. Uh, I thought Dean's done really well with his rankings so far really really well so hopefully I can refine my old levels uh brush off the rust a little good bit luck, but,
2: mate. good luck
0: yeah no what a standard to be set this week we're talking about title races and as Jack said it's roughly halfway through the season so we thought we'd take a look at something that's uh, something that sort of reflects the first half of these campaigns and we kind of realized that low-key there are some really good title races going on here like usually across europe's top five leagues you get like one or two bubbling away but the other three probably aren't in play this time around not really the case so we're going to rank the title races based on how exciting they look at this point in time how close they look and i guess how heavily they're kind of drawing me in and that's for europe's top five leagues so a handy number of five so i'll begin at number five and it's the bundesliga okay at- First glance, I don't know, this might seem a bit odd because I'm sure lots of you have seen how fragile Bayern Munich have felt of late. Um, the loss to Gladbach that they sustained a couple of weeks ago, having gone two goals up and lost 3-2, you know, that's not very Bayern-like. But that loss had been coming. They'd been ropey defensively heading into that. they have been badly hit by injuries for the last few months. And then they dropped out of the Pokal to Holstein and Kiel on penalties the next game. And then the following game, which was at the weekend against Freiburg, they were hanging on for a two-one win against Freiburg, guys. Like in the last minute, Freiburg hit the woodwork and had one cleared off the line, looking for that, looking for that equalising goal. This is not the Bayern you expect to see. It's not the Bayern that won the Champions League back in July. So it might sound strange to have this down in fifth, but all of that said, you look at the table. And Bayern are still four points clear. So if this is Bayern at their conceivable worst after a serious wobble, and they're still four clear of everybody else, I mean, what does that say for the implications of a title race? Uh, that's what I'd be concerned about. So Bayern Munich, four clear of the of the chasing pack in the Bundesliga. Leipzig look good, but are flawed. Leverkusen are fun and exciting, but have really hit the skids. Dortmund cannot be trusted. I'm afraid I'm not going to be backing anybody else other than Bayern, which is not what I can say about the other four ones. And that is why the Bundesliga sits in fifth.
1: I don't think it's... I still think there is a title race here. I just think it's a little bit more cut and dry than the rest of them. You know, and and you've nailed it there, Sam, I think in terms of if this is Bayern in their wobble then if they refine their form then they're going to be unstoppable if they don't refine their form though there is definitely there is definitely people on the edge but like you say everyone is flawed now normally and i think we'll find later down the line that everyone being flawed tends to tends to open up title races but when you have someone who just seems to get the job done in the way that buy and do year in year out it, it kind of takes away from that a little bit doesn't it yeah you trust them you trust them to just win
2: also like they've played 16 games and they have scored 48 goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like the teams that they're competing with, the closest is Dortmund and Union Berlin have both got 32 goals, which is pretty good, but it's still 16 short of what two, Bayern
1: Those those teams you know are scoring two two goals a game. <laughs> <laughs> Bayern are scoring three every game, three goals every game. That's They're insane.
2: Like, it's ridiculous numbers. Um, yes, yeah, so they've got a goal difference of twenty-three, which is, you know, far beyond what you know. if They've it conceded
1: to... a lot more than the teams yeah. around them, though, as well, which is which is potentially why we're seeing this this wobble.
2: Yeah, maybe, but they still got goal difference of twenty-three, and like the closest is plus fourteen. So they, you know, they've made up for it with all those goals that they've managed to stick in. And uh, as Sam says, like. there there are other like leagues where the favorite might still win it but this is the league where you just you just can't imagine that they're not going to win it it's a good league and it's it's exciting yeah i think win
1: it there's something you know to be said for the fact that between third and ninth there's the equivalent of five seven points right Yeah, I so think the race for the, so the race the Champions is really League good. is really exciting in the Bundesliga oh, yeah. but I think that the title race itself might be slightly more cut and dry than than the rest of the leagues and I and, and so. that's it isn't it but I think we'll come towards the end of the season. If if this title race does get solved, if, if Bayern do run away with it, it's going to be the games around them that are going to be really exciting. So that's not to say that the Bundesliga isn't going to be dramatic in the run-in. I imagine there's going to be loads of drama. And obviously we saw on the, the final day last year, all of the, the, the bits and bobs with Leverkusen and Gladbach and the Champions mm. League and the Europa League and all of those elements, which, which made for such an exciting final day, uh, are still all in play. It's just the title race might well be sewn up for them, which is something I can't see elsewhere in Europe.
0: Yeah. yeah. In the Bundesliga, if you're watching at the moment, you're just supporting Schalke, um, led by American sensation Matthew Hopp. That's, that's, that's why we're watching the Bundesliga now.
1: I'm watching Union Berlin. That's all I'm doing. Union Berlin are great, great value. But there'll be more of those uh, then perhaps later in the week, Sam.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Right, into number four. Um, I'm going to put La Liga here in fourth. I think this is where it gets genuinely quite interesting. Um, Now, you may look at the table and think, well, hang on, Sam, you put the Bundesliga in fifth and you said that Bayern are four points clear at the top of the table and Atletico are also clear at the top of the table and they have two games in hand. So two wins would take them, what, 10 clear of Real Madrid at the top? How is that more exciting? I say that's a fair question. But my answer is, well, Atletico haven't won a title since 2014 and they are not the team that we perceive Bayern to be. They are not the team that you just think, yeah, but they'll win it. This has genuine intrigue in it. How will Atletico Madrid handle the pressure of being ahead and being title favourites, make no mistake about it, as the season wears on? How will Real Madrid, the defending champions and vicious rivals of Atleti, how will, they, how will they handle clawing away at this lead and trying to ramp the pressure up and draw on all that experience? And of course, you've got crisis Barcelona in the corner trying to get themselves back into this as well at some point. Out of there crisis is, Barcelona mode. <laughs> trying to get themselves out of crisis. There is potentially a 10-point gap here between Atletico and everybody else. And that surely, that surely would mean curtains. However, watching how they handle that, Watching to see whether or not they can actually create that ten point gap, and just watching this team deal with this situation, I think is a, just a fresher and more intriguing experience. And it's not as guaranteed. Like I would say that, like you know, Bayern are obviously more guaranteed to win this this league title than, than Atletico would, even with the
1: position they're in. Which is probably why I've ended up shading them and putting them in fourth. I mm. I, I can understand where you're coming from. I would say that Atleti. We said when Atleti lost to Real Madrid that all they needed to do to win the league was beat all the other teams. We said they could lose to to Real Madrid again. They could lose to Barcelona, really, as long as they just sort of keep the momentum up against everyone else. As long as they keep winning against everyone else. And that's exactly what they've done. The 2-0 against Sevilla last week, so must have been a week ago today, given we're recording on Tuesday, was one of the most composed performances I've seen in a long time. And that was the time. I think I watched that game, and I thought, "Yeah, okay, they're going to win this." And because Sevilla had been, yes, they had a little bit of a, a blip against Betis in the derby, but the, in the derby, you have anything can happen. You know what those games can be like. We've seen them down the years have freak results all over the place. So those are, are, are games that I wouldn't use as as good barometers. But you know. Sevilla had been on the up they were starting to find their feet they were starting to move towards the positions in the table we expected them to be in probably fourth in that last in that last Champions League spot really that's where we kind of expect Sevilla to be and when Atleti beat them so comfortably, and it was it was 2-0. But say at the end of the day, I can't remember many chances where Sevilla were like, I was like, oh, this could, this could wobble. It was very much a Atleti in their prime. We keep you away from our goal, and and at some point, we'll just score twice. And it felt like a real composed champion's performance. And they've won five in a row now. They've beat Sevilla. They beat Alaves 2-1. They beat Getafe. 1-0 they beat Sociedad 2-0 they beat Elche before that and and there were the games since that Real Madrid loss and the, the fact that they bounced back so comfortably i think i think Athleti have this in the bag
2: we're halfway dude in the bag we're halfway nothing's in the bag Jesus. okay so if if they've got it in the bag so that means that Need the Real Madrid and Barcelona win La Liga and say they don't win the Champions League either. Are we saying that Barcelona and Real Madrid could both end this season without a trophy? I mean the Copa del Rey. No, Granada are winning the Copa del Rey. All <laughs> but right, either way, say- like Copa del Rey, Barcelona and Real Madrid to end a season and just say, yeah, but we won the Copa del Rey. I'm like, no one cares, mate. Um, that's not how those teams are judged, is it? Um, Interesting. I, I disagree I mean, that
1: it, no one cares, but I do look, I take your point that that's not what Bar- their teams yeah, are judged.
2: That's like. not how Barcelona and Real Madrid are judged, is it? Over the course of the season? Well, it is because they say, "Well, that was a shit season." <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it's a big call to say that you know and neither of those teams win La Liga. I'm I'm not convinced that one of them doesn't though. If I was I, to guess, I I don't know Real
0: Madrid. Still I, look, still... look, look! It's it's oh. it's it's not even that. It's fine. You can think Atletico are going to win. In the back. <laughs>
1: In the back. Yeah. There's
0: a lot of confidence there, mate. Look, it, every win gets harder as they start to draw towards the finish line. I know that they've showed immense composure and ability to just beat those teams consistently. And I've been nothing but impressed. I can't lie. But those wins, every single win feels bigger and bigger and bigger. It be against Bar or Celta Vigo or Villarreal, whatever it is, as you draw towards the finish line, the pressure cranks up on every single one. And this Athletic side are just... Not used to having this kind of charge. This is not the same team that won in 2014. It's a fresher group of players. Yet they've got people like Luis Suarez in there to guide things. But you know their key player is Jao Felix, and he's not experienced the the pressure of a La Liga title run at this stage. So it's just very interesting to see how they deal with this as it starts to progress. And I'm looking forward to watching it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's fair enough. Yeah. I just uh, I was right, that wasn't to no, take no away from exciting. It's yeah. um and I love to see you love to see a fresh, a fresh face on it, don't you? you love to see fresh colours on the trophy. Totally, it's always exciting. Yeah. Brilliant. So so have it. Okay, then Sam. Should we should we move into three?
0: Yeah, I surprised myself with this one. Um Liga is in third. And that is because I think I just assumed that PSG were gonna win it, and then you just take a little closer look at the Liga table. And if you if you haven't looked at the league on table recently, you know, just assuming PSG and miles clear, go and have a look now because that is not the case. They're top, but only on goal difference. Uh, Lille are matching their 42 points from 20 games. Lyon are two back on 40. Monaco are good again. Marseille, not a genuine contender, but they don't really have the striker to actually push this pile and really, uh, get, well, really get in. Well, you up.
1: say that, but they are on the verge of signing Arcadia's Milik. Oh,
0: okay. Well, that might change things. And they are two games back in terms of games in hand, which would put them not quite in amongst the forty-point mark, but it would put them back in this for sure. um Would definitely mix it in with with Leon and uh, and Monaco. Leon obviously have like Memphis Depay crushing it. Lucas Paqueta has come to life over there, which is great to see. Lille are the team you obviously cheer for because they've got this wonderful array of young talent. You know, Botman and Ikoné and Bomber and Sanchez. I think there's a lot going on here. And yeah, PSG have got the best attackers, but it's an imbalanced squad, which has caused them problems all season. Yeah, they've got Pochettino, but he's going to have to make a mark on this and get to work quickly. PSG might come out of this window with an Ericsson or a Deli Alley or something to really help their cause, which only really increases the intrigue if there's a reunion such as that. And just the close nature of this table. I'm just looking at it and I just think this is... I did not expect PSG to be so closely tailed by so many teams at this stage of the season. We saw early on that PSG started slow and we were asking questions. Are we going to get a title race? I basically said no. I thought, nah, PSG will just figure this out. No problem. But they haven't done it yet. And we're like 18 games
1: in. <laughs> There's a period in February. It starts on the 7th where they play Marseille in the Classique. And from then, they have a cup game, then Nice in the league, then they play Barcelona in the Champions League first leg, and then they play Monaco four days later. And then there's another period at the start, it's sort of at the end of March, towards the start of April, where they play the second leg of that game against Barcelona. And then they play Nantes, Lyon and Lille in a row. And those are huge, huge games in yeah. and huge periods of PSG. And and look, it's Pochettino at the helm there. There's obviously intrigue in in that regard, and he's obviously won his first trophy now and uh, there in his second game or whatever, whatever <laughs> he's done. But it is one of those now. These, this title race is genuinely on, and the only thing I think might potentially throw this a little bit is we've seen Moussa Dembélé, Leon move to Athleti already this month, we've seen that there is genuine interest in a lot of French players with the collapse of the TV deal. there looks like there's a bit of a fire sale going on at various clubs in France to kind of balance the books all of a sudden. And that's the only thing I think that might throw this. PSG probably have enough financial weight to not be too stressed about that. Um, there's a lot of clubs that won't and if clubs have to sell their prize assets at this point to try and try and get through this season obviously there's talk of Renato Sanchez been linked to Liverpool Dean and there's all of these different bits and bobs going on in terms of the transfer market a lot of the Premier League clubs in particular looking to France as uh, a place to pick up some some high quality talent on the cheap that could throw this I think
2: I can't see Renato Sanchez joining Liverpool but yeah there's definitely. There's definitely a lot of Premier League clubs looking at that French market because it's one of the few places where you can get value for money right now. Um, and yeah, let, let's see what happens across the league. But it definitely helps PSG that they've got such a strong deep squad um, that they can in rely certain on, positions. In certain, in certain positions. positions. Well, I'd say it's the decisive positions as well. Yeah, like, it is. That that's what's key, I think. And I I'm still not sure if. The having Pochettino as manager is a help or a hindrance at this stage. Like he's going into a, a league, hasn't managed him before. Um, I don't know how closely he's been watching Liga, it depends how long he's known that PSG <laughs> wanted him as manager, I guess. Um, and how many of these teams he's been watching throughout the season, and how long it actually takes him to get the best out of this team. I mean, on Patreon on Monday, we talked about the fact Mbappe hasn't scored under Pochettino yet. And I'm not saying that that's because he doesn't like Pochettino or something like that, but it's it's strange, and Mbappe didn't look particularly happy when he was subbed in the last game. And you don't want issues like that suddenly starting to crop up. You don't want to be falling out of Mbappe. And I don't know, I just, I just think that Pochettino going into this situation halfway through a season when it's, when it's not expected like that they guarantee to win this league. And there's so much pressure on them to actually go and win the Champions League. That's a massive tie he's got coming up against Barcelona. Um, And he has to be really focused on making sure he has his strongest team available for that first leg, that there is a chance they become distracted from the domestic calendar. And yeah, look, I can't see Pochettino winning the double, or the treble, he's just won a trophy, um, in his first season. So it definitely adds another layer to this.
0: You know, you know it's impossible to fall out with Pochettino, right? He's the nicest man alive.
2: <laughs> you can't sure fall out that. with him. <laughs> well, Mbappe certainly at least rolled his eyes at him as he was up oh. the other day. <laughs>
1: in in today's speak, that's that's a pretty much going out and selling the papers a story. So yeah. I think uh... Sam just rolled his eyes at me when I said that. To <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, this is this is very exciting, and those two periods, you know, start of February and and start of April, end of March, are are going to be crucial and. There's going to be a lot of intrigue, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on this one. I think it's uh, an exciting time for French football. So we'll, well, in some well, ways, in other ways, in other ways, it's a really yeah, quite dark and sad the time. Stands French are, French the stands football. are empty. <laughs> there's there's, there's everyone, no TV deal, and there's, there's no a crowd fire sale of all okay. the <laughs> All right, but there's it's a good old, time. but there's a good old title race. So you know, <laughs> swings and round, us. swings and roundabouts, swings and roundabouts. Us. All right, Sam. That leaves two. Who's in at two?
0: Yeah, so in at two, it's it's Premier League time. I think it's uh, it's a it's a it's a league in which we seem to get a new favourite every single week. Um, it's quite confusing and quite dizzying, to be honest. I remember when Spurs emerged as clear contenders. I remember when Liverpool were running away with it. I know that United are now top, and I also know that City are on the march and definitely going to win. But wait, hang, hang on. When did Leicester climb to second place? It's very, very hard to keep track of who the current title favourite is. It's better to just pick one at the start of the year, ignore everything that happens and see if you were right after 38 games, which is exactly what I did with Manchester City. But if if a new contender emerges every two weeks and the narrative shifts so violently and so wildly from one club to another, that tells me that this is an exceptional title race. And it's not something we were treated to last year. Liverpool pretty much ran away with it. Uh, well, say so pretty much they completely and utterly ran away with it. <laughs> so we didn't have it last year. So we've been starved of this in England and we are absolutely loving it. Dean keeps changing his mind every 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 week on, on Patreon on Monday. He predicts a new team to win the title. He's loving that. Ugh. Again, I've tried to steer clear of that, just enjoy it, but
2: this is this is a wild season. Yeah. It is. I'm just looking at it now, like first Man United, second Man City, third Leicester, fourth Liverpool. Fifth Tottenham. Um, don't think you can look any lower than that. Chelsea
1: I think seventh, Can I but... just add that Don Carlos Everton, if mm. they win their game in hand, goes second. Uh, and Aston Villa, if they win all three of their games in hand, would also jump onto 35 points. We effectively could have four, five teams on 35 to 38 teams in having played 18 games, which would be, <laughs> and that doesn't include Liverpool or Tottenham.
2: Yeah. I think the that's Villa one's a bit of a stretch, but um yeah, it is mad and it's it sums up this season and um how you know you just can't rely on anybody right now and that, that that's not just teams, that's players. We we've talked before about the fact that the very top players are not showing consistency and they started to a little bit in the last month or so. Um, but then you have that Christmas period where everybody's exhausted and now you're coming in. And I've spoke, a few people that I speak to actually at clubs of, about this, and they talk about the effect of coronavirus and long COVID, which is basically, a you know, one of the effects of coronavirus in terms of how badly you get it. It can really affect you for a long time afterwards. And um, the energy levels that you have seem to be really affected. And I'm, I know on Patreon the other day, there was a question asked about Trent's form this season, and he doesn't seem to be the same player and doesn't seem to be as explosive or energetic and getting up as often and I said you know is this something to do with coronavirus and I don't know but there are definitely some players that are feeling the effects of this and it's very hard for clubs to monitor on you know how players have dealt with coronavirus I mean I've lost track of which players have had it to be honest at this stage it's, it's been so many and it's been going on for so long but yeah this is so weird and You know, Man United sitting top of the league right now. I think there are very, very few people who would expect them to stay there. But who knows? Look, say De Bruyne got injured at Man City. Say Liverpool suffered one more injury um, or they don't sign a centre-back and then um, they do suffer another setback in that area of the field. Like, it's all so unpredictable right now. I have said, like, I think that Liverpool and Man City have to be the favourites because you would rely on them to show that consistency over the course of the season. And they've got the strongest teams and they've got the players in there that have won this before. So, of course, you have to look at those teams, uh, particularly Liverpool. But their attack did look so blunt at the weekend that you're like... I don't know anymore. I don't know. Well, um,
0: Salah looks completely off, off the boil and he's had coronavirus and you just don't really know with every single player, because some of them, of course, have had it and we don't know. They've kept it under yeah, exactly, wraps. Not yeah. every single case has been disclosed. Yeah. God knows what Villa are going to look like on, on uh, well, will be tonight, actually, for, against Man City on the Wednesday, mm. given that they had 14 cases. Yeah. Like, who knows? And it's, it's very, very difficult. I mean, of course, every, every league is, is dealing with this in one, in one way or another.
1: Yeah, I we've mean,
0: I mean, we've seen recently like Juve's Juve's whole defensive line has been wiped out recently. Yeah. But the Premier League because because England have done such a bad job, the Premier League has been the most heavily affected affected league.
2: Yeah, like, I, there is an argument that I don't like about Man United being top is that people saying, "Yeah, but you know, it's um it's it's just because it's this season. It's a weird league." That's it's like, "Yeah, but they're competing in the same field as all the mm. other teams around them." Like, "Yes, they are" perhaps taking advantage of the fact that teams have been depleted but at the same time Man United squad is the same size as all the other teams and it's still you know they deserve praise for the fact they're top they're top of the league they they are where they deserve to be right now and I don't think you could take that away from them just because we are living in strange times of course it's it's hard to judge and predict but I don't think that I don't know, actually, do you think that this season can be judged like all the other seasons or is this going to be looked at as just a freak year?
1: At the end of the day, Everyone's it's 38 games, you get three points for a win, a point for a draw and nothing yeah, for a loss, right? Yeah, playing on the same field, aren't they? So it, it's yes, it's. Awesome. All, I, don't think, I don't think it stops the fact that it's a weird season, but last year was a weird season because there wasn't any, any fans towards the end of it and we had a massive break in March. Like, yeah. these seasons, yes, they're strange, but they don't. You know, they come with the same caveats that you have to win football games. And at the end of the season, the team who has the most points over 38 games wins the league. I mean, that's yeah. that's it. Yes, of course, there's going to be looked at as, you know, there will be different, different lenses put on it. If this turns out to be a year and next year, everything completely changes and United are 10th. Then obviously Mm. you might look at it as as a free year but i don't think that's going to be the case i don't think even you know in a full season with fans and stuff uh, and everyone back in stadiums and none of these issues i still think you're going to have mostly the teams and and look the fact that the top six the top seven you know, United, City, Leicester, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton, Chelsea, right? Maybe you expect an Arsenal to be to be in there, but you know, of, of recent uh, of recent form, and, and I'm not oh. just saying this season. That's not necessarily been the case. I don't think you can look at this and go, "Oh, there's there's a really weird season. The teams are all over the place." It's still the kind of the teams you expect to be in and around the title race, who are in and around the title race, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. Uh, and the teams at
0: the bottom, are the teams at the bottom.
1: Yeah, exactly. Apart from Fulham, who are in a false position and should be 12. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, by everyone, the way, everyone the tried week. to take,
0: they tried to take Liverpool's title off them last year because it was, yeah. you know, they tried to cancel the title because of coronavirus. And now the shoe's on the other foot and they're trying to take United's potential title off them or first place achievement after, what, 18 games uh, off them because it's a weird season. This is just what people do.
2: Yeah, I have to say, like, watching um, the Man City game, though, against Crystal Palace, um, Um, Just looking at Man City's, well, their result against Crystal Palace, the 4-0, the performance they put on was sensational. They are eight games in all competitions with straight wins. They drew the two games before that. They won the two games before that. Like, their last defeat was to Tottenham on the 21st of November, Man City. And for a team that were, you know, they've been criticised quite heavily at times this season and they've definitely um, not been convincing all the time until recently I would say, you know, in this in this spell of games recently, they've seen off Chelsea 3-1. They've done United 2-0 in the cup. Um, and then they've just beaten Brighton 1-0, Palace 4-0. Um, they're not conceding any goals. You know, Ruben Dias and, and John Stones performing producing this great partnership at the back. Um and this is without this is with Raheem Sterling in horrible form, which you'd like to think is going to change. This is without Sergio Aguero, Aguero anywhere near the first team. This is with playing like whoever they can as the central player. Like De Bruyne goes in there sometimes, Ferran goes in there sometimes. They haven't actually got a centre-forward at the moment. And yet this is the position they're in. So, yeah, there's so much more to come in the second half of the season. And um, it's a mad title race. And the fact that this isn't number one means we should be really excited about what's to come. Pep,
1: <laughs> Pep was being questioned. At the start, you know, was, there was a point yeah. where City were before 12, he signed that contracts.
2: Before he signed that new contracts, and some people, even when he signed it, were like, "Oh, we're not sure that's the right decision." What it's Pep Guardiola? What are you talking about?
1: I had, like Sam, I had City as my my tip to win it at the start of the year, and I stand by that. I think they're in the best position. I think they're favourites currently, and and will only get better. And and actually, I think there's probably an argument to suggest that right now, City are the best team in Europe. Um, but yeah, yeah, there is. But uh, but that will that will. Shake itself out. You'd imagine in terms of how the Premier League goes down, and we'll see how yeah. things progress over. Wednesday the night, half, they lose to Aston Villa
2: at home, and that'll be that. Yeah, pep, <laughs> it'll,
1: it'll be it'll be pep out all over again. And they lose to Cheltenham on Saturday. Fantastic! <laughs> the beauty of the Premier League, the beauty of the FA Cup. Fantastic, right, Sam? That leaves
2: us in Italy for number one, doesn't it? It's Serie Yeah, I think this is the best title
0: race, guys. Well, certainly, that's my opinion. And uh, I implore you to, to, to believe me because if I could only pick one league to watch for the rest of the season, I would honestly go with Italy. So we got the sense in pre-season that Juventus were a bit vulnerable. They'd won nine Scudettos in a row. They were going for their fabled 10th, but they'd appointed a rookie manager, the squad, which was an aging squad, was just a, was a year older, Chiellini, Bonucci, Ronaldo, a lot of these players into their 30s. And you've got this, this rising spectre of Inter Milan who pushed them, well, on, like, according to the table, very close last season, although really the Serie A title charge was, was pretty much done by game week 34 or something. Managed But managed by Conte, led by former Juventus director Marotta, buoyed by some excellent summer transfer work, including one of the best wing backs in the world, Akrav Hakimi, and you just looked at that and you just thought, mm, given that we have absolutely no clue what Andrea Pirlo is up to as a manager or what he's about, this is a genuine, this is a genuine challenge and how wrong we were. AC at the top of the league. Mm. Yeah. Well, we knew that Juve were vulnerable. I thought it would be Inter that beats them off. Now Inter are, are clear of, uh, of Juve. Of course they are seven points above them having beaten them at the weekend in a, a ridiculous display of brilliance. But Milan are 10 clear of Juve. They're 10 clear at the top of the table, 43 points from 18 games. And then if you look just below that sort of trio of contenders here, and you even put aside the fact that Juve are under serious pressure now, like serious pressure, every game, every performance is heavily scrutinized because they're off the pace. They're seven to 10 points off the pace set by the Milan clubs. Then you add in the fact that Atalanta are one of the most entertaining teams in the world. Napoli are free-scoring, goal-crazy, and imbued with the spirit of Diego Maradona. Roma are one of the most creative and dangerous teams at one end, but also perhaps one of the most flawed at the other end. Well, you've got six teams here who, I mean, I wouldn't put it past any of them. Let's be honest. There's there's obvious favorites. There's an obvious tier here of, of, of Inter and Milan, and then you back Juve to sort of kick themselves up the arse and see what happens and and get themselves back into this. But then you've got another little set of teams there. And I haven't even mentioned Lazio who beat Roma 3-0 on Friday. Well, and brilliant, on their, weren't they? And they three in a row. On their day are as good as any of these teams, let's be honest. Um, it's not always their day. That's the that's the probably the most important point. But they could definitely play spoiler to any of these other teams in the league, particularly Juve, since have to play them and what they have to play everybody, so they, they they've got the chance to really really screw someone over here uh, later on down the line. But I, I, look, I'm not I'm not anti Juventus. I'm just I just like new things. I like fresh things. I like fresh ideas. I like new challenges. And the thought of watching Juve scrabble away at trying to trying to win this tenth scudetto in the face of the most serious competition they've faced in the last ten years, and maybe Maurizio Sarri's Napoli aside that is very very intriguing to me I think
1: mm. you're completely fair enough and and look the, the, this is this is where the narratives are isn't it and those of you who listen to, to our patreon on Monday will have heard some of these before you will have heard me singing about Napoli's title charge, as you say, imbued with the spirit of Diego Maradona, you know, six points behind into with a game in hand. And and I just fancy them a little bit at the moment. And we know Dean's been talking about Milan all year and about how how special this seat is team seems they signed Manzukic today. And that's that's a done deal. So some more experience to try and guide the younger heads over the line there. And and as you say, into you know probably the best team in the league on their day so th- there's so much to like here and I think that's that's incredibly important there's so much to be excited about there are I think genuinely four teams who can win the title here I would mm. say I think it's between Milan Inter, Napoli and Juventus I think Roma and Atalanta while you know both are incredibly enjoyable are, are just slightly too far away um, and I think Lazio, like you say, will say will play spoiler um more than more than anything else. But they'll be scrapping for that fifth spot and and therefore European qualification. And therefore, they will have so much interest in in, in making those wins count against the teams above them. And in mm. in in with all that then in mind, I think this is a four-way title race that actually is a full-on four-way title race, which potentially makes it I know you say it is. I, I would probably agree with you that this is the most exciting title race in Europe.
2: It's just mad. Like, Juventus obviously ha- are always the team you're going to look at to win the league. And, you know, we, we did at the start of the season, and I still thought they would win it. And you two were obviously questioning it. And you look at the recent results, right? And on the 22nd of December, Juve beaten 3 0 by Fiorentina. And you're like, wow, like, what's happening here? And then the 6th of January, they go and beat the league leaders, Milan. 3-1 away from home and I obviously text you too, and I was like oh this is where it turns um and then Milan aren't affected by it psychologically they're straight back on track um Juve win you know the next game against Sassuolo, edge past Genoa in the copper, and then they lose 2-0 Inter so you know it's it's so hard to actually have faith in that Juve team now and I think that the one thing I keep going back to with Milan is this togetherness and what Pioli's built there in terms of just making this team believe in themselves and believe in each other and add, you know, having Zlatan around that squad, bringing in Z- um, he's bringing in Tomori. And I just think there's a certain character that he likes and he knows that is needed in order to keep this team believing, to make sure that no doubts creep in. And at the moment they're not. Um, so Let's see how long they can maintain it. I really hope that Milan can take this down to the wire. Um, there's no reason to believe that they can't at this point because I think Juve are going to drop points from now on until the end
1: well, of the season. Well, they've got to play Fiorentina again. <laughs> 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 can, we, well, can, we talk, can we talk
0: about the fact that Zlatan scored a goal on Monday night for, by running in behind? Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. 39. He's, He's thirty-nine. He's thirty-nine years age, of age. Age
1: doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It's over. Also, it was it was Diego Godín. He's about the same age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the ball from Calabria,
0: though. My word, what yeah. Absolutely beautiful. This Milan team just can. They continue to find results in a in a frankly Juventus style, and Juve. Are not finding results in the way in that you'd expect. Style, yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 a role reversal. It's like a Freaky Friday situation, is not it? In terms of mentality and ability to grind out results. The white
1: and red stripes on their shirts have swapped, and yeah. and, and that's that. <laughs> that's the end of that. Uh, right there, Sam. Well, thank you very much for for that main ranking. That's uh, it's very exciting. I mean, look, five genuine title races, I think, which is which is worth pointing out, and and that's that's exciting in itself. Yes, some have more story imbued in them than others some have more contenders than others but i think we've got five exciting title races to come and 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 that makes for for a good season so we'll be keeping an eye on on all of europe's leagues and i just want to say i just want to say that if you're not watching the primaida in portugal oh, here we go here we go you should be you should be because of of all the leagues and then talking of unlikely winners and um, Sporting are four points clear at the top of the Primeira and the draw between Porto and Benfica in O Clásico uh, on Friday night was, I think, the first time that Sporting have won a Clásico in Portugal, considering they don't play in it, for a long, long time. And and it's just all quite lively over in Portugal. It's a, it's a little bit further back in the season, as in they've only played sort of 13, 14 games of a 17-game halfway point. So there's still three games to halfway. But sporting coming from kind of nowhere to, to lead the pack and showing no real signs of slowing down is, is a narrative in itself and one that I would highly recommend that you get involved in if you can. A lot of it, especially if you're in the UK, is on free sports. So it's actually free to watch. It's free to watch on their, on their website as well. And it's on the live score app. So there you go. You can watch the you can watch the Premada pretty much anywhere. Uh, and that's pretty much us for our main segment. We're going to be back in a short minute with Melody of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Don't go anywhere.
0: Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you're playing with. Gamble responsibly.
1: Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for my favourite part of the show. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon
2: of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Roger Ebanez of Roma. Oh, no. My bad. This annoyed me, actually, because... I predicted a Roma win on the Patreon Friday show. I was confident about that. So confident, in fact, I stuck five pounds of my own money on oh, Roma no. to win the game. You mad I thought... uh. Well, I just wanted to make it a bit more interesting as I settled down with a glass of red wine and my nice pepperoni pizza. And we sat there to take in this Italian evening. And the has <laughs> absolutely ruined it within 23 minutes because, <laughs> <laughs> well... First of all, he intercepts a, a ball into the channel um, and it's a good interception and it looks, you think, right, just knock it out of play then, mate. And he hesitates and he's uncertain and he just gets knocked off the ball by Manuel Lazari and, and then Chiro Mobile scores. And it's one nil. And that's 14 minutes in. And I'm like, I think I text you straight away. Here you go. We've got a million here, lads. Steve, you've been very kind to him in that sequence of events. He dawdles on the ball in his
0: own box and tries to pass his way out under pressure, gets tackled, and they score. It was
2: awful. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Then 23 minutes. Well, he's in a running race, isn't he? With Lazari down the down the flank. And I Which, mean, to
1: be fair to him, he's never
2: going to win. He was never going to win, but he was made to look like an absolute fool. Um, and <laughs> it was just a proper Melanist performance. And anyway... Two seconds later, Luis Alberto stuck the ball into the back of the net. I've got, I'm throwing pepperoni at the screen and all sorts. By this stage, um, it was just a proper melonish performance. I can't believe he saw through the ninety minutes. To be honest with you, Um yeah, they Roma, took him the centre back, didn't they? And they didn't take him off. <laughs> take him off. All over the pitch, Roma were bad, um, but he was awful. He was bad. Sam. You've, you've tipped him for big things, haven't you? I have, yeah. <laughs> literally, literally earlier that day, I picked him as a 2021 breakout
0: star. What I didn't foresee was that within five hours of this article going live on the 23 Sport website, which I implore you to check out, it's on my Twitter as well. Actually, no, don't, because I'm talking rubbish, because everyone I pick turns into a melon.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Sam, are you glad that you managed to curse him. Um, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, basically, sorry. to Roger Banya's because... Sam's cursed you, and now now it's over. It's literally football things that precede unfortunate events, isn't it? I'm going to send you off to cursed football, I think. That is the gibberish alarm. Sam, over to you.
0: Uh, no, I didn't prepare anything this week,
2: sorry. What? No,
0: yeah. I, I, didn't have, I didn't
2: have time. Two right. minutes before recording. I was aware of this so I thought well, we can't just not have a gibberish I can't I can't let this happen the fans are out there waiting for this moment in the show aren't they some people even just forward to this part of the show and they don't <laughs> listen to the football part <laughs> there's at least one person out there I bet that
1: does that. 100% let us know if that's you <laughs>
2: um so I thought right I'll think of something during the course of this show I'm just gonna do my favorite subscriptions through through lockdown um mm. So i've got a top four that i've drawn up here very quickly number four um i subscribe to the pepper pig app um (laughs) it's six pound a month which is quite lumpy to be honest
1: um seems quite reasonable do you get three do you get an extra i'd imagine for that fee you'd be looking at probably an extra eight to ten podcasts a month
2: (laughs) you don't get don't get as much as you should do to be honest but it gets me out of trouble so many times. Like when I am, when Dylan is going to kick off, or you sat down somewhere um, and you just wanted to be quiet for five, ten minutes, and he hasn't been on it for a few days. You're like, "Oh, do you want to play the Pepper app?" And it's got games, it's got puzzles, it's got quick episodes, it's got songs. He loves it. He knows it's a treat that he gets the phone and he can watch Pepper the app. So, yep, yeah, that's number four on my subscriptions list. At number three. It's very serious, this one. The Times newspaper. No. At the beginning of lockdown, I decided that there was so much fake news out there and so much rubbish being written that I needed to just put my faith in one outlet that could keep me informed about coronavirus and just give me some nice articles to read throughout lockdown. At this point, bear in mind, I thought I was going to have like a two month subscription and then cancel. So it was like a free trial thing. But I've never cancelled. Um, I've really enjoyed paying for my news and just going to a regular source every day and just um, reading it, the same writers and knowing what's coming up in the in the same places. And yeah, I actually really recommend that people just pick a news source and stick to it. Find that one that you like and trust
1: and go with it. So, hang on. It's... I just want just, can I just ask you a question? Yeah. You thought there's a lot of fake news, there's a lot of bad stuff being written. What I will do is subscribe to a Rupert Murdoch owned newspaper.
2: The Times is really good on its science department. But it's science department. Yeah, what's what coronavirus is? Isn't <laughs> oh,
1: okay, I see. I thought you meant you were just like, you no, know, really excited about, like, I don't know, technology taking off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This was specifically to make sure I had very well informed articles around coronavirus. Okay. When right. people throw like their nonsense that they've heard, read on Twitter, that I could say, actually, no, mate, that's absolute gibberish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> i've read right, this on the times right. and you can't come back at me yeah because it's it's behind a actual, paywall <laughs> yeah this is actual research that's been done and you can't read it anyway because behind a paywall you've just read twitter while you're sat on the toilet mate right. um was <laughs> in it too then number two is disney plus oh yeah. yeah um yep this was an unexpected good find i i've put off disney plus for a while um but then i finally like in month eight of lockdown <laughs> completely run out of things to show dylan and um to be honest i've run out of, running out of things myself to do so i thought we'll give this disney plus a go it's great it's so good Disney plus is brilliant um so you've got disney you have got pixar you have got marvel that i don't like star wars i've never watched star wars but it's there if you want to get involved in it um i've got into you know as you two know i've got into marvel a little bit i've, I've seen like you know captain america i've seen a bit of other avengers stuff captain marvel iron man um, so I'm starting to get into that kind of stuff. And then Dylan's, well, actually one of the first times we got it was to watch Home Alone, because you could actually watch it on there at the time I couldn't find it anywhere else. Home Alone is now his favorite movie alongside um, What's his other favourite? Oh, Monsters University. He loves Monsters University. Good film. Very good really film. Really good, yeah. I've seen it like 37 times in the last few
1: It's a really good film. I got shot down the other week for suggesting it should be up there in the top of the pantheon of Pixar films. It's not really necessarily good. number one, but no, I said really it good. should be up in the conversation and I got absolutely blitzed for it. By yeah. who? Uh, by, A-League, by A-League Moment of the Week correspondent Joe Gallo. <laughs> oh,
2: no, Joe. You've been dropped from your post. Yeah. Joe, you are melon of the week. Um, no, it's good. I watched Mighty Ducks yesterday. Oh, that's,
1: that's an old throwback. That a, Isn't that, that the Mandalorian proper... in that on Disney Plus? Sam, yes. yeah, that's
2: all there. That's
1: yep. all
0: there. Mando's great, so really, so good. really recommended. And you can
1: um, watch Hamilton.
2: You can, yeah, you can. There's so much stuff on there that I like. I'm just Intrigued by that, I've never seen before. Um, that's what gonna... I, I
1: got the free trial so that I could watch Hamilton, yeah. And, uh, so that, that's basically it. Then
2: go for it, people, get involved. And in then in the next couple of months, while we're seeing this stupid virus out, um, and then number use, one, thing... use use code ranks 10 for 10%. Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm give joking, that try. I'm, I'm really joking. Try. I mean, at number one, it just has to be Netflix, doesn't it? Because this has saved my lockdown, probably does everyone in the world have netflix by now gotta be close isn't it because if even if you can't afford it yourself you get somebody else's login yeah um so as long as you've got the tv that can can access it i'm pretty sure you've got it by now during this virus um just watch such an array of stuff and just even if you're not watching it you're searching through for something to watch and then by the time you've found something you can't be bothered because it's like midnight or one in the morning you know whether it's i've watching this I think i've t- spoken about it before on the patreon newsletter somebody feed phil i love that show where he just travels around the world just eating um he's from everybody loves raymond he wrote that uh the other day i told you i've been watching um that death program surviving death that's been a good one um Sounds what great. else night stalker that's quite scary lads night stalker <laughs> if you haven't tried that I don't,
1: watch, I don't watch scary stuff i don't really watch tv i, I figured well, this out recently do,
2: here's one for you because you buy it, you're hopefully about to buy your first place. Yeah. Dream Home Makeover. Lovely program, mate. I
1: don't need a makeover. It's
2: new. <laughs> no, it's, you need to decorate it nicely, mate. You need to decorate it nicely. And, and these two people, Shay and Sid, they'll sort you out, mate. So <laughs> All get, right. Get, I'll get, get in that.
1: touch with them, shall I? Do, yeah.
2: have, you
0: seen, have you seen that uh, crazy American barbecue cook off competition on Netflix? No. There's there's like a proper like smokehouse like they they recruit the best barbecuers from across America and invite oh, them to this, nice. this barn and they give them the best equipment in the world and they're like right here are your materials you've got eight hours create create the most unbelievable ribs and it takes them like genuinely like five to five to eight hours sometimes it's, you don't know the name of this show do you I can't remember exactly what it's called oh, but you'll be able to find it pretty easily the problem okay. is if you watch it at one in the morning you then start cooking you get really <laughs> hungry it makes you so
1: hungry i can imagine that does sound like it does sound like fun though um obviously yeah. the best subscription you can actually do is to to get subscription to our patreon where you know yeah. for, the, for the low low fee of four or five depending on, on what and kind of so many you get. people have signed up
2: obviously and like thank you to everyone that has like and I, you all seem to be loving it like everybody that has and it's Surely, one of those things that does help you through these lockdowns well, so, I think so fast. look i mean look
1: one one podcast a week is great um three podcasts a week is is a lot of fun and if you enjoy us and and you want two extra podcasts a week for eight extra podcasts a month plus a newsletter that we send out once a week, and all the rest of the the different elements we've done some giveaways we've had some. special competitions the deans gave away some (laughs) signed photos it's been fantastic to be actually i'm going to
2: give something away this week actually so you should come and sign up right now because (laughs) remember we did the team of the year last week and we were sent like all these little player cards um well i've got no interest in keeping mine to be honest um you know i'm putting uh, mine on the wall but dean's going to sign them and send them I'm not going to sign them because I think that will probably detract from people actually wanting them. But um, join our what Patreon. Why don't you, what for don't you forge, forge the forge the respective players' signature? Exactly. Shall I do that? You, well, I tell you what, yeah. people, come on the Patreon. I'm going to put the competition up. You could sign the, the back of, of them, week. mate yeah and i will I'll Personalized. Write note, just, yeah i'll write a note on the back for you yeah let's do fantastic. that so <laughs> right all 20 odd thousand of you that listen to this show go and sign up to our patreon and then i'll do that next week
1: fantastic there you are there's the there's our salesman extraordinaire dean jones <laughs> at, at doing what he does best and with patreon.com slash ranks all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to mr sam Tai. cheers buddy Thank you very much, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, lads. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. We thank you so much for listening as ever. We hope you've enjoyed yourselves. Please keep sharing the pod and rating and ranking us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you, Rank Squad. We'll see you shortly. Take care. Peace.
0: Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly.